So some behind the scenes from a podcast or creatives. Those who are close to us already know this, but uh, I was recently having a conversation with my parents about the show. Shout out mom and dad who are loyal listeners and watchers. And they said, how do you pick the topics for the show? And do you have like a spreadsheet? Like, how do you, you know, decide what you're going to talk about each week? And I was like, yeah, we don't really do any of that. We just kind of show up and whatever is on our mind is what the topic ends up being. And, you know, as much as I'm typically the type of person who likes to plan and like and have a schedule, I feel like it's one of the things that makes our show work is that we don't feel like we have to go out and research something. We just kind of talk about, you know, like what's on our heart or what's on our minds when we show up at the mic. And it, I think that it helps the show be a little bit more genuine. Yeah. C's get degrees. So <laughs> we, we, we <laughs> I haven't opened up a spreadsheet in my life. Um, <laughs> we just roll up, crack our knuckles and and, and, and get started with it. And it had seemed to, to work for us. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. So last week, I think if you listened to our last episode, I'm hopeful that you would have not known this, but we probably spent an hour before we started recording about like the actual episode trying to figure out what we were what we were going to talk about and we had a couple different ideas and we even kind of like started to have a few little conversations kind of like going down a few side roads before we we hit that stride but we had a moment last week where we were like have we have we run out of things to talk about (laughs) and we haven't even we're still not at at our hundredth episode yet but, but we have been doing this now for five year almost five years yeah so um, we thought that we would have a little reset going into this episode, but I think if this works out, something that would be fun to do, I, we're not going to commit yeah. to like how somewhat you know, regularly, somewhat yeah. regularly, whenever, whenever we feel like it, but right. to kind of take the pressure off, I think last week you had mentioned a few different things and I had mentioned a few little like small things, but we were like, could this be a full episode? So what we're going to do this week is just talk each sharing three or the number could change things that we've found across the internet or that we've experienced uh, in life that we think have, have worked well or that have impacted us or something that we think that you might find interesting. And we're hopeful that this might also spark conversations with you. And, you know, we always, Steve doesn't love recommendations, but I would like to see what you are reading, listening to, watching, experiencing, and how it's, you know, affecting you in your life and affecting you creatively. Yeah, no, I, and, and <laughs> it's okay. I mean, like, <laughs> be honest here. Don't like, uh, no, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily like when people come to me to say you need to watch this. No, I don't. I don't have to do anything. But like I do like if you want to say like I'm watching this, I will listen or or I've consumed this or I read this. I like I will listen and 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 certainly be supportive of that. So yeah, yeah 100%. Doesn't mean I'm going to go out and do it either. But I might. You never know. Like I'm reminded of an old Letterman skit that he used to do back in the day where he, <laughs> it would be called it was called is this anything and basically they would have this like random thing that 
you know, activity or, or whatever. And he and Paul would debate, is this something? Is this anything? Is this nothing? And he'd be like, I think it's something. And Paul would be like, I don't think it's anything. <laughs> so like this whole concept feels like an, is this anything? So I think we need to write it and just see what we got, but no, I'm excited to hear what you have to share. And, um, definitely excited to hear what our listeners have to share. Definitely hit us up in the comments on the episode when it gets dropped, uh, with what you're seeing or what you're consuming or reading. Um, let's try to share some, some awesome stuff that we're, that we're, uh, you know, involved with. So this first video I saw on Twitter and it came from Steve's team. And by the way, we'll link to all of these either in the show notes or in the notes on YouTube. A couple episodes ago, we were talking about the difference between, or maybe it was the last episode, the difference between kind of, you know, following a script or following a format to get the information out or creating something from more of a, like a heart perspective with your audience in mind. And instead of saying, these are the things that we do to, you know, communicate this message, it's, well, what's important to these people and what are they going to best respond to? And I, when I saw this video, I thought, you're, you're nailing exactly that. This is a video that anyone watching it, they're immediately going to be engaged. They're immediately going to want to share it. It's impactful and it'll stay with you. So Steve, since your team, and I know I'm, I'm making you kind of like share in this with me, but since give it did, your answer. Yeah, <laughs> since it did come from your team, yeah. do you want to give a little bit since I haven't really given a, a proper description of what's in this video, um, just kind of an overview of what it is. Yeah. So it, um, we, we did this piece around uh, bus driver appreciation day, um, which is a, a thing in education, uh, and deservedly so. And I think what ends up getting challenging when you do these types of pieces, because there's so many appreciation days and weeks and whatever um, for school professionals, for for professionals in, in other industries, too. It's hard for them to not all be the same. You want to be generic enough that everyone feels like you're you're you know, the audience feels like you're taking care of everybody. But I think what I've learned over the years is, is that generic doesn't work in an industry that's built on individual relationships. Um, it, it waters things down. You know, if you have, I remember a long time ago, a buddy of mine who I've worked with for years would talk about support staff. So, you know, bus drivers and custodians and, you know, uh, the front front office workers and whatnot, they're, they're superheroes in these districts. I mean, you could probably think back to your bus driver or custodian or somebody like that in your, in your elementary school or whatever it is. And, how much they were revered by by students. They're superheroes. So, you know, it's I don't like the term superhero because it's it's a weird thing. We attach these words like superheroes and wizards and whatever it is. And it's like, OK, like you're not an MCU but, fan. It's fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but they they do have a really important role. So we wanted to make sure that in the creation of this, if we're going to do something around a specific purpose, we want to find the right the right front person to be, you know, the, the heart to the bus drivers or, you know, whoever, whatever group that we're looking to, to sort of recognize. So this particular piece around bus driver appreciation week, we were able to find, you know, this one bus driver who had been with the district for a number of years and certainly had the personality to, to, you know, to match, you know, the, the, the amount of years that he was there, 
individual, you know, handshakes and nicknames for all the kids. And we wanted to make sure that what we were showing was true to what the kids get to experience and see every day. Not necessarily like, here's this person who does a great job and we just wanted to highlight them and thank them. Like we wanted to make sure parents felt the community felt like they knew what it was like for kids to interact with this person on a regular basis, because that's, that's the unique part of the relationship. So we, we mic'd him up, uh, our lead creator on this project, Lindsay Quackenbush, who is one of the most amazing creative people that I get to work with on a regular basis. She's awesome. Went on a ride along with them, with him, with the bus, went on two different routes, an elementary and a middle school route. And captured everything from when the kids get on to the funny little unique back and forth, you know, dynamic and dialogue between the, the kids and the bus driver, the nicknames, the handshakes, stories, you know, in between while the bus driver was driving the bus, just, you know, obviously concentrating on the road, but remarking about, you know, how kids that were on his first run when in his first year are now in high school and God, he feels so old. And but you got this arc from kids getting on the bus the interactions kind of a, a the inner the the, the 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 middle part of the video kind of centered in around some of his reflections and stories and then a lot of it was just sort of the you know the goodbyes and have a good day and here let me zip your backpack up and oh that was my favorite moments. part yeah <laughs> that was so here. cute <laughs> here. um all these little special moments that made you feel like you were there it was recognizable content um, I even love the piece where the, the, there's a part towards the end of the video where one of the, the kids that are on the bus gets off the bus and the kid's little sibling is in the driveway, not old enough to go to school yet. But the bus driver knows the, the younger brother's name, says hi to the younger brother. It has this generational feel to it as well. So there's a lot of moments that really hit, I think, in that video. And I don't mean to steal your your answer here. I'm not. I have I have my own. Um, but <laughs> I'll butt in uh, on one of yours. Don't worry. But yeah, no, I hope so. Uh, but I agree. Like it, it just had that that community feel that took this what can often be in 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 many industries, not just schools, but generic celebrations for support staff, which just turn into Canva graphics. And it, and it's not being critical of, of that. But like, you know, I think this brings up a bigger debate point. And maybe this is for another episode down the line. But, you know, you're recognizing recognizing human beings who do really important work on a regular basis and the outward facing representation in, in some cases is just, you know, a Canva graphic that says thank you and the name of that body. And I guess the debate is like, is it would you rather have just a generic like would you rather just have a presence to say that you did it, to say that it was meaningful, or would you rather invest the time, even if it's into one person, you're recognizing a whole body, but you're showing what it is like you know, with, through this individual relationship with that person, I know my answer is what we did. Um, I'm confident in that. And I know sometimes resources don't always allow for that to be done. Um, but if it's enough to recognize because you know, you want to do it, it feels like it's something that you should, should look to invest the time into if possible. There were kind of two things that stuck out to me. And the first was, I don't see a lot of school content unless it's something that you post, but I feel like m any school content that pops into my feed is usually something bad. It's usually like when there's like a school shooting. So yeah. in my, you know, in my social feeds and in my news, those are the only things that are coming to the surface. I'm not seeing anything positive that's coming out of things that are happening at school. And, you know, I get that 
you know, that's how media works. The tragedies get eyeballs, but right. we're missing out on, I feel like, you know, most of the time it's great things that are happening in schools. And, sure. you know, it's, it's really a shame that more stories like this um, are not being, are not rising to the surface. Like, why isn't that video viral? I mean, it definitely has that that quality. When I watched it, I was like, <laughs> I want to hang out with this bus driver. And yeah. I think, you know, I'm sure very purposely the way that it was crafted and filmed is like, you're really, you get the perspective of the kids and it makes it my, you know, my memories of riding the school bus as a kid are not, you know, super memorable. I mean, I kind of remember some of my bus drivers, but this this video like makes you want to be a kid and ride and ride the bus and get to interact with this amazing bus driver every day because he almost like he makes it like like a ride it's it's an experience yeah. it's not just a way of getting from school to your house and vice versa and the other thing that i was thinking was like not only did i want to be a kid riding that bus but i was hopeful that in elevating the excellence of this bus driver that other bus drivers might see this video and think, wow, I could be making this kind of impact. And right. maybe that would kind of like encourage them to do their job at the level of excellence as the individual who's highlighted in your video. I'm going to uh, volunteer my uh, my first one here. Um, and it's funny that this is this is the first one that I'm going to share. Um, because it very much, uh, was a focal point for an episode, uh, a couple of months ago for us, at least the brand, it's a graphic that was, sh uh, a, 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 a video build, basically piece of content that was, uh, shared by Amtrak. Um, so wow, you remember, <laughs> you've I become know. like this Uber Amtrak fan. Have you I ever, know. have you ever ridden on Amtrak? <laughs> I've been on a train. Yeah. I've been on a train before. <laughs> Oh, oh, world traveler that you are. I've been on trains. This uh, is not necessarily the most, uh, I would say, like memorable, maybe compared to the tweet that we talked about a few a few months back. Um, but it's a, uh, a a really good, I, I would say, I argue a beautiful piece of content um, celebrating their uh, their birthday. And in essence, it's a what ends up turning out to be a still graphic build certainly done by hand. It's their 52nd birthday. What would you describe the the visual as or the medium as? It's it looks like it's it's all hand drawn, right? I mean like it's uh Yeah, it looks hand drawn but almost like um it, it it makes me the illustration style makes me think that it was done like on an iPad. Like it has a very like painterly style to it. Yeah. But at the same time like there's a modernness to it. There's a modern feel to it because you have the the outline of two fingers that would be, um, you know, spreading um, like you would on a phone to zoom in on a certain part of the image. And as the as the actual image zooms in, you get another element of of a landscape of a train being a central part of whatever that is. It gets to be a little bit yeah. like repetitive and redundant. <laughs> you feel like you might kind of like have a seizure. Yeah, looking I was going to say I'm a little dizzy. <laughs> yeah. But the creativeness of it where you, like as the finger spreads and as you as you as you zoom in a little bit more, you see a train on a certain component of of, you know, an American landscape or you see a, 
uh, a ticket taker grabbing a ticket or you see a, a person, you know, laying on a, on a bed in the train reading their book. Um, you know, it's just all of these elements of a uh, of a train ride over the 50 years that Amtrak has been around. And I love the 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 specific the, the the nature of detail from the support worker to you know the workers waiting for the train to arrive to more of a modern day feel to an, an ode to or a, a, you know a nod to a train station there's just some really beautiful elements of of design and layout in this um in this illustration that uh is breathtaking and it was enough to like make me continue to watch it and even though it's only i think it's only like 12 seconds long or whatever it is or 15 seconds long it's enough to make you want to watch it over and over again because you're looking at a different part of it every time. So just a really creative piece that that, you know, I don't necessarily feel like it's something that can be easily in my industry, at least replicated. So that that always makes me like stop in awe because you're like, this is this is pretty cool that the resources that, you know, and, and the creativity of their staff that they have on this is, is it's breathtaking. But um, yeah, enough to really stand out for me. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And, uh, you know, Part of me wants to s- describe it as simple, but if I said that, I feel like it's almost like insulting the, the person that created this because there was obviously like yeah. so much work that went into these these illustrations and the animation of it. And this is kind of like a, a tactic that you can use to get more um, watch time on your videos, especially for you know for things like shorts and reels and and this style video that was posted on Twitter, but to have something that kind of loops. So you're kind of the viewer is unaware of when something ends and then when it begins again. So, I mean, I, when you sent this to me, I watched it three times before I realized like, Oh, I I saw this this already. Right. But at the same time, there's so much detail in these illustrations that you want to keep watching it so that you catch different things every time. So that was, that was executed really well. Great find. Thank you. I come prepared. Mr. and Mrs. Tropiano. (laughs) (laughs) The responsible podcasters. All right. My next one, I'm going to try to not lose it (laughs) for this. But um, so I've never really been much of like a poetry person. I'm guessing you're not either. (laughs) No, no. No. Um, But my sister, Laura, writes poetry or has, you know, started to in the last few years and, you know, has kind of made me a little bit more like open to it and kind of like finding the beauty in it. So for whatever reason, this poet uh, popped into my Twitter feed. Uh, So the account is Joseph Fasano and his, you know, his description is, the host of Daily Poetry Thread, and he gives uh, poetry prompts. So his his kind of like thing is that he gives kind of these like boilerplate um, like poetry prompts that allows people to like fill in the blanks, kind of like Mad Libs okay. style. So this first one that popped into my I mean I've had I've seen so many others since. I um, started following him, so it was hard to kind of like pick. So I decided to just to just kind of like stick with the first one that I saw. They're all really, you know, kind of like when you read the stories behind them, very beautiful and heart wrenching. So, mm. and the reason that this first one caught my eye is because um, this is. I'll set up the beginning of this tweet. He this is a screenshot of a um, like an email that was sent to him. So it said. 
Dear Mr. Fasano, I came across the poetry prompt you designed for little children to express themselves with poetry. So I don't, I think that he's also an, an educator. So that may have been kind of like where he started, get, you know, starting to share these prompts. Um, and this person goes on to say, I gave it to my 95 year old mother who has been struggling to express herself through dementia. Mm-hmm. And that kind of caught my eye because my grandma who passed away last year had dementia late, you know, late in life. And, um, that kind of like caught my eye when I read that sentence. And then he goes on to kind of like share the poem that, um, his mom wrote or yeah, I guess to, um, technically wrote. So he says, this is what she wrote. And for context in parentheses, Peter is the name of my late father. So she Mm -hmm. says, my name is Dorothy. Today, I feel like the room where we get to play Scrabble forever. Sometimes I am a cactus. Sometimes I am my children, but always I am hopeful. I asked the world, where will I see Peter again? And the answer is the room where we get to play Scrabble forever. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, should I read this or should I not? Because I'm definitely going to struggle through it. But um, it's so beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I'll share, you know, he has, Steve, I can see you being annoyed if you start following him because, you know, it, I think that there's something about when you read something that's that, you know, touching, it kind of starts to feel diluted because then there's like, sure. you know, the, the, another, you know, recent one in his feed is like, you know, my, here's someone um, from like a 16 year old autistic child. So it's like a lot of, you know, people in different points of life who have their own, you know, stories and and struggles. And it's just, you know, between my sister starting to write poetry and finding this account, I was like, you kind of see the, like the power in it and like how impactful it can be and healing it can be for people going through things. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I think the sharing of um, such rawness, um, but, but so unique unto the person who's speaking those words. Um, you know, I think that's what makes it so powerful. It's funny that you said the word hopeful or she said the word hopeful or used that word because I snapped right back to, um, we used to have this magnet, um, as kids and it was this, you know, rectangular magnet with a bunch of different faces on it um and the the faces all had the description of the face underneath it so happy angry mad confused whatever and um we had it for a very long time and it just sort of hung on the fridge and then there used to be a square another square magnet that would go over the top of it was open you know, so you could see the face under and you could move it to how you were feeling that day. We never really used it for anything. It was always just there on the side of the fridge. And then I remember after my mom was diagnosed with cancer and things weren't going great in terms of the, you know, um, some of the results that she was getting through her, her testing and whatnot. I was down there one weekend and on the, on the refrigerator was the magnet and the square had been moved over the hopeful face. And it just stopped me in my tracks because I knew like she had done that and that's how she was expressing herself in that moment. And I think there's, you know, we use the word hopeful a lot and we don't realize what it means to people who are really 
hanging on to that that word you know and that emotion knowingly or not um when it really when they really need to feel that way you know so i think that really that was my connection to that piece that that you read and um but i can see exactly how it how it moves someone enough moves someone to to tears because it's um it's just a very open look at you know your inside feelings with something yeah and i think you know kind of the part about seeing so many of these stories about you know like people with dementia people with autism and like you know little kids expressing themselves in these ways is that they're so like you know we as adults at at our ages are so like I think closed off to this kind of thing about like, you know, really (laughs) some of us more than others, like, you know, sharing what we really think about things and like giving these like kind of honest, beautiful, like childlike unfiltered like thoughts and the fact that that's, you know, kind of what they're using to fill in their blanks in these poems. It's just, it's really beautiful to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really using that medium to do that for something that is very childlike, but really attaching real feelings to it. You don't really think about that when you're doing Mad Libs as a kid in its own, you know, in its own way, but doing it in this light. Yeah. It's pretty special. So I don't, I'm, I'm done with crying in this episode. Okay. Um, but I have, my next one is going to make you laugh. So, okay. Um, well, I was also going to ask, so he right below that tweet, he gives the boilerplate for, writing a poem do you want to as a podcast write a poem and we it it can't yeah. be sad it has to we has to be like our <laughs> our feelings yeah no how yeah, we yeah. Shoot, shoot us yeah all right yeah. i'm in okay yeah. so we'll do this and then we'll we'll publish our our poem who knew we were going to become poets on this episode poets. look at this i'm adding i'm updating my resume <laughs> as we speak i'll be the scribe and we'll kind of go back and forth so this can be a collaborative thing okay so the first, well, the first line is my name is, so should we say our name is a podcast for creatives today? I feel like, um, I don't know, I'm, co- I'm cold right now. So I'll say colds. I feel like a cold beer <laughs> floating in the. I'm going to go, I'm going to go pool cooler. Pool cooler. Oh, I like this picture we're painting. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes I am a, I'm going to say flamingo. (laughs) Sometimes I am a, a wet towel. (laughs) That sounds about right. A poem for summer. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting worse as we go through. (laughs) Okay. But um, always, I am sunshiny. I ask the world, how can I make this better? And the answer is a cold beer floating in in a pool cooler. (laughs) Here is our poem. Our name is a podcast for creatives. Today, we feel like a cold beer floating in the pool cooler. Sometimes we are a flamingo. Sometimes we are a wet towel. But always we are sunshiny. We ask the world, how can we make this better? And the answer is a cold beer floating in the pool cooler. It's oddly deep. (laughs) 
I wasn't expecting that when we did it disjointed, but then when I heard it, I'm like, this is really good. <laughs> All right, okay. let's let's move on from let's the poetry, here, the poetry yeah, slam. We've, <laughs> we've turned this into into a, a chuckle fest, which is good. Um, um, so my next one um, that that I saw just the other day actually comes from um, a content creator that's. Um, I think really taken our, our, the digital world by storm. His name is Nick Cassano. Um, and, and, uh, Nikki Cass, if you follow him on social, um, plays a lot of great, um, characters, uh, from, um, you know, uh, an, an Italian pizza shop owner to, um, family members of, of his that are Italian, uh, baseball coaches that he had from high school, a lot of different, and, and a lot of it speaks to me because of, of, uh, you know, my, my, my family, my background, things that I've experienced, being a baseball player in high school. So like all of these things are great. I saw one the other day, yesterday actually, where he um, impersonates a, a local home improvement, um, you know, gutter guy uh, or uh, power washing guy. The attention to detail in all of his impressions um, are incredible. But this one specifically from, you know, the 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 polo shirt and and tight jeans and boots with the with the large gut where the guy walks in and, you know, hi, I'm, you know, and enter whatever name in your hometown or in your in your area where your home improvement guy puts his name and been serving the community for X amount of years. And we do this and we do that. And but it wasn't really the humor so much as the in the line delivery so much as the mannerisms towards the end of the commercial there's the, the you know there's the guarantee that always comes from these guys where you know if we don't do this you're going to get the you know whatever and you could tell whenever they do these like these animated mannerisms it's in their heads before they're about to do it on camera because they want to get it right. So you, so if you watch him at the end of the, the the commercial after he gets through all of the generic footage that comes along with these, you know, like knocking on the door and the homeowner opening it up and him reaching out and shaking the person's hand and them looking at the bill together and all of these things that we all know to these to be true. He gets to like the the the, the you know the grand finale of the commercial where he's about to give you the you know the guarantee. And you watch the hand that he's not going to point with start to tremble a little bit because he's getting the rhythm down. <laughs> All of a sudden, like the hand just starts to the elbow starts to wobble a little bit. And then he just turns into the point to the camera um, to end the, the ad. And I could not stop laughing uh, uh, at that part of it because it's like every every car dealer, every home improvement person, painter, whatever it is they all have that that generic call to action at the end that like doesn't resonate or doesn't do anything in the grand scheme of things but it is such a big part of the ad for them that you're almost laughing at that versus anything that they're saying and i thought he nailed it perfectly the accent you know the phone number on the screen which was like 1-800 call guttas because it was you know it's the italian accent so it's g-u-t-t-a-s like it's great. It's just so great. I'm a big fan of his. I love when a new video drops. I never miss one. Um, so go look up Nikki Cass. He'll he'll make you laugh. It's a great account. Yeah. So I think you saw that I had already seen and liked that video, I did, which was huge for me because I was like, she's gonna know this one immediately. I'm not have, I'm not gonna have to build it up that much. Yeah, and you had recommended the account to me a while back. It it is it's hysterical. I I'm usually. When it comes to like that style of account where it's kind of like an impersonator, I'm, I feel like, and this is for everyone, I would guess, but you're either like, you're all in on it because they nail it so perfectly, or you're like, 
I don't get this. This is not for me. And you have no interest in it. So I don't follow too many of those types of accounts, but the ones that I do follow are just, I'm obsessed with them. So it's funny that you, you focus so much on his, you know, his mannerisms, his, his delivery, and he's, he's great in, in every video that he posts. But the thing that was making me laugh so much is that he so nailed just the format of these types of like local commercials where the beginning starts off. He almost had like, like a sepia tone. Was I imagining that? Or he had like the color was different in the beginning because they're, they're highlighting like the problem that the customer might be having. Like he's going around the customers having, you know, issues with, you know, with leaking or, you know, gutter related, a gutter related problem. There's a big problem and he's going to be the one to solve it. And Clearly he's seen a lot of commercials like this because he just, he nailed it. It, It's like, it's, it was so spot on a parody of one of those commercials and I don't have cable. So I don't, I haven't seen one of those in a long time. So I think it all, I also loved it because it just, it brought me back to childhood and seeing, because it it does kind of have that very cheesy kind of, you know, execution to it. I'm imagining that these local businesses don't have, you know, big you know, creative teams like you have at work, film crews. <laughs> so they have to do what they can, but it seems like they all do exactly the same thing. His attention to detail is incredible. And the mannerisms, I know we don't want to go necessarily off course, but he does a restaurant owner, an Italian restaurant owner That's that I my love favorite. too. Yeah. <laughs> with the, the, you know, like, like that the hand twitching when he's like holding it up like this, like it's just kind of like trembling. There's just so many nuances to things that you see that remind you of, what you experienced growing up or what you still see today. And, and and I think he's just, he's brilliant. So yeah, if you need a good laugh, go look up Nikki Cass. Uh, he'll make you laugh. All right. My last one down to the last one. Yeah. My last one also has the potential to be emotional, but I feel like I've gotten it out of my system. This came from a newsletter from Gretchen Rubin, one of my favorite people I listen to her podcast. I read her books. She's most known for writing the book, The Happiness Project. But every week she sends out this newsletter with five things that are making her happy that week. So I'm just going to read it verbatim because it's short. It says, I've seen every episode of The Office many times and realized that maybe I love it so much because one of its core themes is one of my own essential themes, which is there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? And that is the final line of the entire show. And she shares a screenshot of, you know, with the text on like the um, the closed captioning on the screen that says there's that line, the final line. But the shot is Michael hanging up the painting that Pam painted of the the watercolor that Pam did of the office. And I had to go back and like actually look for the clip because I think that I've only seen the finale of the office once. And I think it was when it originally aired, you know, I hate watching final episodes of shows. I usually skip them, but I went back and just, you know, looked it up on YouTube and kind of just like watched the last minute. So it's, it's Jim talking and Pam talking and Pam is the one who, who delivers that line that there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? And the line prior to that, kind of like the context for that line is that she says, you know, I kind of thought it was weird that you chose to make a documentary about us, about our, you know, boring little paper company. But she said, you know, we're, we're very ordinary, but you know, 
then going into the line, there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? And I loved that they were able to, even though Steve Carell only appeared very briefly in that episode, or maybe the one just, I think it was that episode, not the one before, um, that they, they felt like the visual that would best match that line from Pam would be him hearkening back to the shot of Michael hanging up her painting. And I feel like that's also one of my own personal themes that I love is just finding beauty everywhere we can. And I, I had forgotten that that's kind of how they ended the show. Do you find that that's something that has come more to you as you've gotten older? Uh, I, I reason I ask is because, you know, I think it's, I think it's a simple statement that like you, you are more appreciative of things, the older that you get the little moments, but I certainly feel that way more now. And I guess that's just how everyone feels or experiences things, but I don't think it's a lesson you're meant to realize at a young age. I think you're meant to chase the bigger, the more, the wild, the crazy, because you're never going to land all of those. You're never going to get every, all of those. But when you eventually settle into wherever you are in life, you tend to look around and say, this is, this is all right. Like, this is what I'm meant to be. And this is how I'm meant to live. And uh, I'm happy with this. Do you find that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, I think so much of it comes from kind of the messages that were fed, like as a society, as, as kids that were always kind of chasing these these big kind of like accomplishments and milestones, whether it's like a personal milestone, like, you know, you graduate and then, you know, you get married and you have kids or, you know, professionally, like, you know, winning awards or, you know, in, in today's age, like, you know, reaching, reaching a milestone of, you know, followers, but all of those things, I think so many people try to pursue them because they're talked about so much but we don't really step back and say like, yeah, but like, how is that going to change my, like my day-to-day life? How is that going to make things better? And sometimes they do because, you know, they could lead to other great opportunities, but yeah, the older I've gotten, the more I've come to appreciate and recognize like what is actually important to me. I think that's something that truthfully I've struggled with, um, and and I'm I'm getting better at to be fair, but the difference between striving for happiness and 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 looking for happiness versus contentment, and it's honestly something that I heard from from um, you know someone that we we look up to and admire and Billy Joel, that you know he talked about you know everyone is you know we're brought up in our culture to look for happiness and sometimes it's just not there and when you don't get it you know, it kind of reminds me of the summer and Highland Falls lyrics, which is it's either sadness or euphoria. And it's like, but is that really, should those only be the two choices? And like, if we search for contentment in situations, you know, it's a lot easier to sort of be, be happy because you're not necessarily chasing happiness. So for me, I think that's something that I go back and forth with still, because while I can find it in some places and I'm very, not to be redundant, but content, you know, with that, um, there are certainly other situations where I'm definitely chasing something still. So I think it's just one of those things where the older you get, you know, the more comfortable you are with that, that feeling of contentment and, and, and being okay with that. All right. My last one, and it's not necessarily the piece in and of itself, but it's the story in the piece that I think stands out to me the most. So, uh, Dave Trot, 
Um, if you're not familiar with Dave Trop, he's a um, creative director, creative consultant, uh, marketing uh, expert, um, maintains a blog that I highly uh, recommend. We'll link to the the article in the show notes. This was written a while ago, um, uh, maybe about two years ago now, but it was something that he had reshared um, on his Twitter account recently, and 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 it ties in. You'll you'll like this, Michelle, because it ties into a film, uh, the producers, um, that you know obviously has gone on to to great heights on Broadway and and certainly in film when it was originally created. But Dave tells the story about when when Mel Brooks made the film, um, he was told immediately that he was crazy. Um, it was just joke after joke, um, uh, you know, laughing at Nazis and laughing at Hitler. Um, and, and the studios really tried to get him to, to leave out much of those, um, those, those jokes, you know, like, like, uh, Busby Berkeley and the shot of a dancing swastika and all those other things. Like they wanted him to leave those out and he refused. He said, you know, point blank. And this was the line that really kind of hit me. You don't walk up to the bell unless you're going to ring it. And the studio heads were just not having it. You know, they were disgusted. The public isn't going to stand for it. They screened the film in Philadelphia to uh, no with no advertisement. They didn't push it. There was no audience, just seven studio heads, and there was no laughter. The studio heads walked out in silence. They were disgusted. Mel Brooks later said that it was the worst night of his life. And it just reminds me that it could have gone south very quickly. But these are where these situations sort of come into play, I think, with creative pieces where it's when you find your audience, when you find the right people, it can make all the difference. So he talks later about how Paul Mazursky was making a film of Peter Sellers. Seller was bored. Um, they decided they should hold, you know, a film club every week. Sound familiar, Michelle? Um, <laughs> that um, allows them to, um, you know, uh, watch a film and provide the appropriate food and so this was the the plan. So uh, one week um, they were doing uh, uh, the film that they were going to see was Fellini's Vitelloni and his wife, uh, Mazursky's wife, was going to make spaghetti. But when the next week came, there was a mix up. Mazursky thought uh, his partner was going to get the film. The partner thought that Mazursky was going to bring the film. So there was no Vitelloni. So Mazursky says, well, we got the food. We got to see something. What do you have in the projection room? Nothing really said his partner, just a can of film lying around. All right, don't worry about it. Just put it on. So we've got something to watch. And that film was the producers. No one said anything. And then they began smiling and then giggling and then falling around and screaming and laughter. And by the end of the film, Peter Sellers ran to the phone and began calling friends to let him know that he'd just seen the greatest comedy film in decades. One thing leads to another and, you know, Mel Brooks, be, you know, becomes this true genius. All of a sudden he's becoming the greatest comedy writer in, in, of all time. And it's just because you found the audience that you were going to find. So Dave Trott's piece basically is, you know, is, is that ignore the people who tell you that they know what the public thinks because they don't don't take them seriously. In fact, he says we're better at our jobs when we don't take anything too seriously. And if I can, if I can add something on there, it's, it's, it's following your belief and what got you there and what you believe strongly in, because it's about just finding that right group, the group that you intended to see and not what someone is telling you someone's going to feel about that piece. And what's so interesting about it is after this small group of people saw it, it did become this, you know, phenomenon and the general public did come to love it. But you have to start with the people who it's for first and get them to kind of back you. Um, yeah. 
but that's not going to happen unless you, I, uh, I'm going to like, I'm never going to forget that line now about like, don't step up to the bell unless you're going to ring it. I feel like that, that hits so much with me because I feel like I can be so hesitant about doing things. Like I have, I have lots of ideas, but I, I tend to like not go all in on it because I don't have the confidence that it's going to be received in the way that I want it to. But I think unless you go all in, you'll never know. And I think too, like, what does it lead to on the back end? Like think about all of the films then that subsequently came out, Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs, whatever. Like, I mean, you're also given, I don't want to say you're given the benefit of the doubt, but because you did come up and you did stand true and you found your right audience, you're afforded a little bit of luxury on the back end of that. So long as you keep delivering and don't rest on your laurels. So if that's your attitude, every time you come up to that bell, you know, you're going to be in a good spot. This is a fun episode. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing this again. uh, Yeah. So me too. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media, tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. 